Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in the study that we're doing through the New Testament, and we are currently in the book of John, and today we're going to be looking at John chapter 4, at least the first big chunk of it. And um, it's been a couple weeks since we've uh, been at it. We've had events and things happening. Uh, and, and so just to, if you remember where we were, last, obviously last time we were together, we did John chapter 3, and we did the encounter with Nicodemus. And we saw the encounter that Jesus had with Nicodemus and his talk to him about eternal life and what it means to be saved. And, um, you know, Jesus sort of asking him, you know, you consider yourself to be the teacher of Israel, and yet these ideas of a new heart are sort of foreign to you, and yet he substantiated them through the Old Testament. Uh, in, in the process, and we looked at some of the verses about what was to take place. Um, and, and now we're moving into John chapter 4, and in John 4, there's another encounter that I want to talk about today. And we'll, we'll, we're going to look at uh, this. Um, and, and really, we've, we've been introduced in these first four chapters now to four different people. John the Baptist, Nathaniel, Nicodemus, and now the Samaritan woman, or the woman at the well. And each of these people sort of has a different response when they encounter Jesus, and we'll talk about that uh, today as we get into it. But uh, we're going to focus on the Samaritan woman today and sort of be thinking about the similarities between this encounter and the one with Nicodemus and the differences as well, because that's really the the heart of the matter. So let's go ahead and look together at John 4. I want to read it to you. It's rather lengthy. I think it's 54 verses. Yes. So um, I'll get started. It's there in your bulletin. It's on the front and the back of your bulletin, or you can open your Bibles if you'd like. Or you can just listen to the pleasing and soothing sound of my voice as we get going. John chapter 4, verse 1 and following. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but the disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria... So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was, who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. 
Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned, and we were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? (laughs) My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, but they had also been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus replied, You may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, The fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, Your son will live. So he and all his household believed. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so as I, I started uh, in the little preamble there, we've been introduced to some people here in the beginning of the Gospel of John. Um, the first three were John the Baptist and, and Nathaniel and Nicodemus. And, and each one of them sort of represents a different type of reaction when they encounter Jesus. Um, John the Baptist was able to say, he must increase and I must decrease. Uh, Nathaniel sort of represented the, the godly Israelites who responded at the very first evidence that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Um, 
Nicodemus came and and represents uh, and represented the the Pharisees who even even admitting that what Jesus was doing had to come from God still couldn't get past their own spiritual blindness to accept him for who he was and and you know we talked about perhaps Nicodemus might have seen his way through in time as may some of the others because we know that Nicodemus was there at the end we we showed you some scripture that he comes and helps Joseph of Arimathea with the body of Jesus. We're not sure ultimately what he did, but we can see this, uh, him represent, you know, representing a struggle to believe. And it was the, a struggle that I, 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 we've talked about in depth that the Pharisees had, and that ultimately, as a group, they decided not to follow Jesus, but instead to go after him, have him arrested and killed to get him out of the way. But But throughout the the time period of the ministry, we can see that they, they knew and, and admitted at, at many points that it, it was God. They tried to blame it on the devil and all sorts of other things, but really they couldn't. And they tried to trap him and trick him and they couldn't. But ultimately it was a hard-heartedness that led to their refusal to believe that this Jesus was the Messiah whom they'd been promised because they, they just couldn't get past their own preconceived ideas. And, and remember, we've had this discussion that one of the things we have to be extremely careful of is that we don't become like the Pharisees and, and that we begin to get this, this religious thing going on that stops us from seeing what God's doing. And it's a, it's a constant struggle because it's very easy to become Pharisaical. It's very easy to become just like them in the name of God. It's very easy to get off track and, and move into a really bad direction. So we have to be aware of it all the time. Now, now we're introduced to the Samaritan woman or the woman at the well. And, and she represents now for the first time people outside of the chosen group. You know, John the Baptist and Nathaniel and, and uh, Nicodemus are all Jewish. But the Samaritans aren't. Um, the Samaritans are kind of a half um, breed of some sort. They, were, they had some, some ancestry back to Jacob. Uh, and yet they were intermixed and intermarried. And the Jews detested them. Um, you need to know that, that they, they would not. That's why she says to Jesus, why are you talking to me? Because the Jews wouldn't even associate with Samaritans. I love the fact that Jesus um, um, uses this in, a, in this encounter. And, and also, most of you know the, the parable of the good Samaritan, um, whom he uses to kind of put in the face of the Pharisees, that this is what it really looks like. So... so um, the Jews, though, they wouldn't hang out with the people from Samaria. They wouldn't have anything to do with them. In fact, um, it, it was quicker for most of them to travel from different parts of, of Israel to go through Samaria. They wouldn't. They'd go the long way around it just so they didn't have to encounter them. Jesus doesn't. He goes right through. And I, I think it's fascinating that when they ask him to stay, he stays two days. He's, he has no issues about being there. So He just loves people. And, and this encounter to me is so fascinating when you begin to look at it in light of the encounter with Nicodemus. So if you take it by itself, it's what, but if you think about what's happening here and why John is writing what he's writing, he's writing this on purpose because there's tremendous similarities and that there's huge contrasts in the way that Jesus deals with these two people and what they represent. So um, think about this now. The Samaritan woman comes from a group of people, like I just told you, uh, who were looked down upon by the Israelites, and so were sort of outcast by them. Further, the Samaritan woman 
Now, if you don't, if you don't think about it, you would, you would miss this. But, but culturally, the women would come in groups to the well to get water. It wasn't something that was done alone. It was done in groups. And yet she came alone. Why? Because of her lifestyle, which Jesus uncovers for us, she's isolated further by her own community because of, of, of the way that she's living. And, and she's apparently in the series of five men. She's in number five, and, and they're not husbands. And this has caused her significant problems in her own community. And so she's an outcast even further. And think about then the loneliness in, in this encounter, because you've got to catch it. Because here she is now. She's a Samaritan, um, and, and further than that, she's in her own life an outcast. And she's gone to the well by herself alone so she doesn't have to deal with everybody else and the things that they say and what they do so so you you need to work that into what you're thinking about as you look at the encounter now in this encounter jesus brings up some of the same points that he does with nicodemus um he he brings up the idea in verses 7 through 10 that that god is dealing with mankind on the basis of grace and that jesus is willing to give her what she can't earn as he talks about this living water. He's talking about eternal life. And he goes on to explain that, that that's what he's talking about. And just as he had talked about with Nicodemus, that, that this gift of eternal life is what it's all about, he's offering this as well to the Samaritan woman. And, and he's talked about the fact that it's all by grace in, in the whole process. And ultimately what Jesus was looking for in this response uh, in this encounter, which he looks for in all his re- in encounters, is that the people that he encounters respond with, by putting their trust and their faith in him. And ultimately, what happens is we see that there is a great response from these people in Samaria as he stays and talks to them, and as he ministers to them, and he tells them about the love of God. These people that are considered outcasts are, are accepted by Jesus, and they come to him in great numbers so there's there's similarities between the two but there's some there's a couple of significant differences that that i want to talk, talk about now when when jesus is talking to nicodemus he stresses the fact that all of us already stand condemned before god and and it's important that you pick up on why he would do that because he's talking to nicodemus who represents the pharisees who believe that their living according to the law is what's going to get them to God. And so they are super religious and self-righteous and proud of the what and the way that they, they adhere to the law. And what Jesus has to talk to Nicodemus is, it, it, you're not going to make it. You, you already stand condemned because no matter how hard you try to live the law, it doesn't work. And in fact, it's, it's brought this division between God and others as well. So at some level, he, he's trying to point out to Nicodemus that Nicodemus isn't making it. He's got some issues he needs to deal with. Now, the Samaritan woman is, is well aware of her sin, and so Jesus doesn't deal with her at that level. Instead, he, he begins to talk about true worshipers, people that will worship God in spirit and in truth. And, and this is why this is so vitally important to get. And to me, this is the heart of John 4. He, he deals with Nicodemus in one fashion because Nicodemus has to see himself as a sinner 
in order to understand grace. See, you get that? If you don't see yourself as a sinner, you never get your need for grace and your need for a Savior, and you can't make it. But, but the Samaritan woman, who knew she was a sinner, she had to see herself as a person of value and worth. And, and there's a tremendous difference in, in the way that Jesus approaches people. Um, see, God finds us worthy of his concern in spite of our brokenness. And, and God values enough, us enough to actively seek us, to welcome us to intimacy, and to rejoice in our worship and relationship with him. See, that's what's represented in this encounter. And, and we've got to make sure we get this whole sort of concept um, because Jesus comes for the broken. And, and, and sometimes we forget. And if we're not careful, we, we move away from our own idea of brokenness and we start to get puffed up in, in how much better we're doing and we become Pharisees. And, and yet, all along, you, you get it, right? That we're sinners, saved by grace. All of us. And, and it doesn't matter now how long we've walked with God, we all have issues still that, that we need to know we can't work out without God's help. We'll, we'll never be good enough in our own strength, no matter how hard we try. We'll never be good enough. It's only by grace that, that comes through Christ that we can make it. And, and we need to be careful then that, that having sort of be, being moved in that direction that all of a sudden we don't become like the Pharisees and forget about people that are broken and begin to judge them when, when what they need is in their brokenness is the, the ability to come to Christ because he loves them. He loves us in our brokenness. And, and, and so it's paramount that, that we see what's taking place here because there's people everywhere. See, the, the Samaritan woman really represents all of us at some level that are broken and trapped in our sin. And, and if we don't realize the, that, that he loves us, we can't move past it. We'll just stay strapped in our brokenness. See? But when we begin to realize that God loves us, things begin to change. And, and, and we then can, can begin to see ourselves as people that have value to God. Because all of us do. Isn't it great when you think about it that Jesus goes to the people that everybody else thinks are outcasts and he loves on them, says, come on, and, and encourages them to believe and to trust. I mean, don't, don't you think that's cool? The Pharisees, see, here's the, the Pharisees would never, ever have gone there, refused, have anything to do with Samaritans. Why? Because they were all so full of themselves. They couldn't see God at work. That's what's so important that we see in this encounter and why it's so... Uh, so necessary to catch um, what's going on and to understand this idea of God's grace and how in His grace then, as we, as we come to in our brokenness, that's when change begins. That's when things begin to happen. And, and, and so we need to be careful. It's like I, I've been preparing for my, my sermon this week or next week, whichever week it's going to come. I don't remember. But <laughs> I get ahead of myself. So i got a lot of studying to do. And, and I was thinking about, the, and, and you probably thought it before, but, but sometimes when you, when you begin to tell people about Christ, um, some people have this thought. 
they think, you know what, that really sounds good, that idea about Jesus. And what I want to do is, I, I'm, before I come, though, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get these areas of my life straightened out. You ever had anybody talk like that? Yeah, I can't come to Jesus right now. I've got these things in my life. But, but I'm going to work on them, and then I'm going to come to Jesus. I've had lots of these. And, and here's the deal, and we live in a fishing environment, so, so all the other fishermen can catch this. Um, when do you clean a fish? Do you try and clean it before you catch it? It doesn't make sense, does it? First you catch it, then you clean it. And that's what Jesus does. First he catches us, and then he cleans us up. And it's a process. But, but if you get like the Pharisees, see, you want everybody looking clean. And then you, you know what happens? You can't catch anybody for the kingdom. You can't catch people when they look clean. Because they don't need to get caught. Already clean. So uh, this, this is what we need to see in this encounter and understand the love that Jesus has for people displayed here with this, this lonely woman at the well whom Jesus stops for and spends time with in, in this encounter and loves her into the kingdom. That's what happens. In the midst of her mess, he loves her into the kingdom. And she goes and starts telling people. She's like an amazing evangelist. She leads a revival in, in Samaria. That's a pretty good deal. Huh? And, and mostly because he re, sort of knew where she was coming from. I, I, he, he knows all about me and he loves me anyway. That's what she said. And they were like, really? Well, we better go see that because we're not that fond of you. <laughs> and, they, they, and you know what happened? He loved on them too. And Wow. See, that's what we need to get out of that. And, and I hope you do out of John 4. And that's pretty much all I had to say about it today. So... I think that's a good a place to close it anyway. I want to talk about the, the healing exchange next week. It ties in better with John 5, okay? So uh, we'll pick it up there. So that's good for me there. Um, Barry, would you turn off the video upstairs for me? If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. If you have any questions, call us, email us, um, uh, write us, and we'd be happy to uh, do whatever we can to help you. But we're going to go ahead and close here with prayer. Now, if you guys got your prayer requests, why don't you pass them up to me? And I would be happy to pray for you this evening. Monday evening, we're going to be setting up the church with Christmas decorations. So anybody wants to come, 6, 6.30-ish.